Welcome back, everyone. Final hour of the program. Jules in the chair for SEN Summer Mornings. Uh, free call is on the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, And we're churning through these texts. A stack coming through, 0457 736 736. We'll catch up with Daniel Cherney from Coastport shortly on the program. It has been all cricket pretty much this morning with a smattering of tennis, of course. Now, we have been running this poll as to who should open the batting in light of David Warner's retirement, who should be named as Warner's replacement as opener. Uh, it has fluctuated wildly. Bancroft was as high as 70%. Then he dropped down to 46%. Now back up to 50 bangers. Steve Smith, 25%. Bancroft, 50%. Cam Green, 188 So Green's dipped a bit. And others, the other suggestions, 6.3%. The only suggestion is Harrison Renshaw. So nobody suggesting a Mitch Marsh or a Travis Head should open the batting. Just recapping all the sports news as well. Devastating news for Australian football fans. The news that Sam Kerr will be out of the Olympic Games with an ACL tear. Uh, devastating news. Uh, you know, I mean, She's such a marquee player for Australia, for Chelsea, of course, and one of our greatest ever athletes, Sam Kerr. Torn her ACL during a training camp in Morocco for Chelsea. Olympics in August. I mean, look, you can pray for a miracle. Can you come back from an ACL in eight months? Not likely. Not likely. And then further to the injury news, Rafael Nadal first out of, forced out of the Australian Open due to injury, returned to Spain to deal with a hip complaint. He's simply not ready to compete in the Australian Open. Did sort of loosely say that 2024 would be his last year on tour. We'd love to see him back down under for one last fling at the Australian Open. The Brisbane Heat in the Big Bash last night maintained their perfect start of the season. It was a rain-affected game, a thrilling finish in the end, defeating the Hurricanes by one run. And the women's side, and Elise Perry's 300th game, defeated India by six wickets. Tonight in the Big Bash, we've got the Thunder and the Scorchers. Hopefully the weather is kind. This is a thing. It might have even been Dan Cherney who tweeted it. It's a, We've gone from a... La Nina to an El Nino. Was it the other way around? But yet we're still seeing all this rain. All this rain. He might be able to clarify it. He's on the line right now. Morning, Dan. G'day, Julian. Good to be with you. I've forgotten now. Which one's the rainy one and which one's the non-rainy one? <laughs> uh, if I got this correct, then El Nino is the supposedly the non-rainy one, the, the really hot one. Yes, and, um, that's La Nina right. Is the, is the rainy one. And we've gone and we had... from uh, the, the latter to the... We've gone to El Nino. So, um, in theory, but uh, hasn't quite worked out that way. Now, obviously, that, there's part, part, parts of that are, are, are pretty good um, in terms of uh, you know bushfires, and clearly that's the main consideration with the weather. But uh, it has been a bit surprising to see the amount of uh, rained out or rain affected matches in the BBL. Yeah, quite incredible. Having said that, of course, we didn't. The rain didn't really affect the Sydney Test. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. But I'm glad to see uh, a result the Sydney Test and what was David Warner's last hurrah. It was a, it was a good match. Let's just talk about that very quickly before we talk about who's going to replace him at the top of the order. I just went on the one day down, which was day two, which is probably the most boring day. But it surprised me some of the critics of the pitch saying, "Oh, it's a rubbish pitch." I thought the pitch played pretty well. It was slow. It was patchy. It was talking about. You know, the umpires and the centre bounce, which sort of added to the unevenness of the whole thing. But if you look at the complexion of the entire game, I thought the pitch was pretty good. Yeah, I think in the end, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I suppose it, it, maybe the uh, the ends justify the means. And when the, ma- the match finished, um, you know, in three and a half days, you can hardly say that it was um, overly dominant to- towards the bat. Uh, and really, you couldn't say that about any of the, the pitches across this, uh, this series. And I think, look... I know there was a lot of controversy around the, the pitch at the Gabba last year, and that was maybe too far the other way, or the last summer, too far the other way. But um, I think if they're going to err one way, you want to err with um, 
giving something in it for the bowlers. And I think there was in the end. It did start to turn, um, you know, start to crack up late. Uh, it was probably, you know, it was probably a touch on the slow side across the, um, the first couple of days. Maybe not quite the bounce they would have absolutely hoped for, but, um, yeah, it, it offered something. Spin came into the match. And, um, but yeah, as I said, a bit like, um, certainly a bit like Perth and maybe to a less extent Melbourne, uh, it, uh, it kicked on and, uh, you know, the, the results um, maybe came a bit quicker than we would have expected. Mm. Well, at least we've got a result. Uh, and it's not Cape Town, so we'll take that as a win. Why we now? You know, this is fascinating, <laughs> this story that emerged during the Sydney test about Steve Smith as a potential replacement for David Warner at the top of the order. So name that, you know, I don't think anybody had genuinely considered. And then you and others had sort of written about it and, and we'd revealed today that Smith had sort of floated it with Andrew McDonald and, and some others before it was known uh, publicly. Uh, can you honestly see this happening, though? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to come around to the idea. I, I think it's, you know, the, the longer it goes, I think the more likely this is a, is a realistic um, prospect. And the fact that it hasn't been completely um, knocked down yet makes me think that it, it's, it's still very much in play. Um, you know, would you to get news on this? You know, I mean, the, uh, the first West Indies test starts in um, nine days' time, and then so we're, we're going to have news on this in the next couple of days, definitively with the squad announcement. But uh, it's interesting because Steve Smith was asked about, um, you know, I said every every Australian batter was being asked about the prospect of them opening um, because clearly there was the need mm. to, to find a new one, and there was this idea of trying to get Cameron Green back into the squad and into the eleven, I should say, and. Uh, and Smith was asked about it a couple of days before the Pakistan series began in Perth, and he, he didn't sort of he didn't shrug it off completely, but he but he um, he sort of he sort of sort of laughed at the idea, and he goes, oh yeah, maybe, and, and but uh, it certainly didn't make it didn't, didn't make it seem as though he, it was a, it was a real really live prospect. Um, but then you know the, clearly at some point he sort of got his head around this idea that it would make a lot of sense. It's funny because this is a guy who. And he's so particular about well everything in his cricket, uh, and and a guy who, you know, was was really seems affronted um, probably too strong a word, but was uh, a bit um, well he literally said it, a bit shocked to be moving to be told that he, they wanted to move him from number three to number four in the ODI side during the World Cup when Travis Head returned to the side and Mitch Marsh bumped down from um, from over the three, and he's a guy that's going <laughs> to suddenly talking about moving up to a position where he's never batted before in first class cricket. So mm. it is strange, but. Um, you know, by the same token, I, I see the logic. Uh, you know, you look at the, the, the relative disruptions. I mean, he's late in his late in his career, could have extended his career by a couple of years potentially, um, and you know would allow Cameron Green in. So I, I think the further it goes, I think this is, is a really a live chance. Well, I guess you know, there's a couple of things here with regards to getting Cameron Green in. It's and listen to what Andrew McDonald had to say yesterday. That they're, they're huge, huge fans of Cameron Green, and it seems to me that they're desperate to. To, to fit him into that 11 in some capacity. I guess the question there is, Daniel, will it be at the top of the order or at number four with Smith opening? But I, I don't know. Look, I mean, we're looking at the crystal ball. People want to say, well, Sheffield Shield runs, that was the old currency and it should still stand. I, I'm not sure there's as much love for Bancroft as, you know, within the inner sanctum as there are from outside. I'm, I'm purely speculating here, but... You know, I, I just—if I'm a betting man, I, I have a feeling Green's going to be that in eleven. I just don't know which way. I tend to think you're right. Look, there's a few parts to the, to the Bancroft situation. I mean, clearly there's the elephant in the room of of, of the supposed lingering effects yes. of, um, of of Cape Town, and I, I, not even of Cape Town so much, but but what that interview that he did in 2021 with the Guardian mm. in the UK, which sort of 
um, brought, brought it back to a head and led to the bowlers uh, putting out that um, statement, which is, you know, not, if not unprecedented and, and highly unusual that, that several members of a team would put out a joint statement um, that seemed within a team. Um, look, you know, I'll, I looked into this situation um, six or so weeks ago and, and um, you know, everyone was insisting that there was no, it was that, you know, bygones or bygones. And you sort of have to take them at their word to an extent there. Um, I mean, how would you really know? And it has, yeah. you know, it's a lot, it is a long time now into all of that. Um, in terms of the Shields form, that's interesting. You know, he's had an excellent 18 months, no doubt. Um, and, you know, on pure Shield numbers, he, he's, he's a clear standout. Um, if, but, but the thing that Shield form is, you know, you, who you can, if you're trying to stack up his form against, say, Cameron Green's, well, Cameron Green barely plays in his Shield cricket. When he did go back to Shield cricket at the Gabba um, just before the Test Series Test Summer began after the World Cup, he did very well. Um, and, you know, Bancroft has also had a couple of goes for Australia A where he hasn't performed as well. Um, there was that tour match. Uh, how much stock do you place in the tour match in Canberra when Matt Renshaw, uh, you know, won the bat off, so to speak. Marcus Harris then made a century against Pakistan at the Junction Oval, um, it, you know, during the Test Series. So it's not... I think it's probably a bit simple to just purely look at the Shield numbers. Not to say that, that, that you know, I, I think it's important for Australian cricket that they have to respect... Shield form, but it's a bit like when you're comparing, say, all these guys with David Warner, for instance. Well, David Warner doesn't have a chance to go back and play Shield cricket, so you know the, the counterfactual there. And obviously, you know, Warner's now yesterday's man from a Test perspective, but um, it's it, it's not yeah, so it's not quite as straightforward. Albeit, I, I think Bancroft would be, you know, would be somewhat unlucky if he does miss out. It's complex, isn't it? It's not just enough to look at the Royal Shield numbers. And you talked about Harris and you know the hundred in the Shield final, that that wonderful seventy, for example, for Australia. I think in, in Melbourne, where it was a tricky batting pitch. But then the flip side, they go, well, Junction Oval's about as paradise, and that's where Marcus Harris gets his run, for example. Or Matt Renshaw, some of his runs have come in the middle order. But yes, he performs for Australia, Ray, and mm-hmm. at a young age, he's hit a Test century, so you know he's got the mindset to perform at that level. So there's all these sorts of other factors that that come into play, and then you look at the form too, Danny, in England. And so recently, where Harris and Renshaw have got runs in county cricket, but Bancroft has missed out. So you pick somebody not just with a view for Adelaide and Brisbane, but if they are your long-term successor to David Warner, well, how do you think they'll perform, say, on, on the dust bowls of India and then the green tops in, say, New Zealand and England? Yeah, I mean, I'd be a bit... It's funny with, with that, that particular element of the conversation. I'd be slightly less inclined to, um, to, to put too much stock in... In how they would go in India and England, just because of the schedule, because of you know where we are in, in the sort of four-year cycle. I mean, we've just come off 12 months where they've had tours of India and England. You know, the next Ashes tour is until 2027. I mean, so much could change. That's three and a half years away. Yeah. And, and even India is still a long way away. I, I, I just think you, at the moment, especially with the World Test Championship, you've just got to pick the best team for the conditions, um, or uh, yeah, the best team for the, for the now. Um, you know, you look, they don't play a hell of a lot of Test cricket in the next 12 months. I, mean, I think everyone expects that they will completely run through the West Indies and that will be a complete no, you know, no contest. And really, that no matter who plays, I think Australia will, will win you know, comprehensively there. It would be a shock if it was anything else. New Zealand's a bit... You know, New Zealand is a more challenging tour, albeit New Zealand probably... You know, I think New Zealand two or three years ago would have been more of a challenge, but they're, they're that, that sort of golden generation of their side has is, 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 is passed its peak. Um, you know, they've lost guys from, some of their, from their test side. Uh, availabilities you know, more of an issue these days. So, and Australia just tends to beat New Zealand wherever Test cricket is played. But don't get me wrong, they, they've got a, 
you know, place a fair bit of stock in that. But I think everyone is sort of looking, does have that one eye on India next summer. Um, India having won the last two test series out here. So, but, you know, I think it's it's certainly, you know, maybe that's too far away. You just, with the World Test Championship, you should look at, at you know, New Zealand at the very furthest. Um, but certainly I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be worrying too much about England or India at this stage. It's just anything could happen. I mean, Will Pukowski, you know, for instance, could, could return yes. to be, be a factor. I mean, Kawaja, for, you know, is unlikely to make either of the highly unlikely yep. to make either yep. of those tours. I think Steve Smith's highly, you know, pretty unlikely to make those tours, even if he does move up to opener. Like, there are going to be a lot of opening. No there'll be a lot of openings here for Australian players over the next um, in the in the batting over the next two or three years. You would think Warner being the first cap off the rank, but. Kawaja and Smith to come, and then the bowling itself, they're all, you know, all over 30, and um, you know, injuries start to mount. Yeah, it's a very good point you make uh, in that regard. Uh, just on that, one more thing on that. If you are in line for that position, you'd want it now, wouldn't you? You know, a couple of tests against West Indies, and you don't want to downplay them. and yeah. They might play well, I don't know. But on, on in familiar conditions, Australian pitchers, a chance to submit your place at the top of the order, get a couple of scores for your own confidence. So I can see why they're all champing at the bit to, to be selected. Just before we let you go, uh, Dan, Elise Perry, 300th game last night. I mean, she doesn't look like she's slowing down. She says she can get to 400. You know, I never thought I'd see the day where she'd be dropped from the Australian side, but that's what happened when she was admitted from the T20 team. But... You know, she just keeps finding a way to, to reinvent herself. She doesn't bowl as much these days, as you know, but she, her class is, is second to none. She's our greatest ever female player. Oh, it's, it's hard to disagree. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm always rocking Linda Clark. Yeah, uh, exactly. Pretty fair player in her day. And there have been a few others, but, no, she's clearly brought up there. And, then, you know, I know we... It's easy to mention, you know, I feel like there's going to be a klaxon sound if I mention this, but you know, she also just scored like, all time great World Cup mm-hmm. goals. And we sort of forget about this second career that she had. Mm. Um, she's been such a great cricketer that this, this career as a professional footballer um, is, is, is somewhat ignored. But um, no, for sure. And you're a really good point you make, Julie, because I think there's probably, you know, maybe the, the really casual passing fan of Australian cricket, you think, oh, you know, she's always been, um, you know, she's always been a superstar, and, and she has, but. Um, yeah, she was admitted from that T20 side, and she did need to remit herself. And she was batting too slowly, and then they they went a different way. And then not only is she remitting herself, she's really she's she's emerged as one of the, the best T20 batters again in in the game. Um, and that's all, all credit to her. And really, that I think that that is, you know, I mean, she's a champion regardless. And she you know she never yeah you, know, you could look at the first six or seven career years of her career, she probably had almost done enough to make herself a, an all time great. But um, but you know the, the the, the true mark, you know, those marks of champions, you know, just add, add to the law, the ability to, to reinvent yourself. And, and she's done that really well. And, uh, and Australia having been, you know, disappointed in that test over in India. And I know they don't play much test cricket, but, um, you know, I've done really well to, to keep winning these um, these white ball games since and, uh, and, and really stamp their authority on, on this tour, um, you know, which could have could have gone south after, after that test defeat. So, um, you know, they've done a very good job. Um, you know, it'll be a little, it'll be a slightly sour taste to her overall, given they lost that, that test and, and such a rare opportunity to win a test match in India. But um, you know, they, they've done they've done their utmost since to sort of uh, redress that as best you can, and uh, you know, marching through these uh, these white ball games. Well, they, I think the women certainly need to play more test match cricket, and you wouldn't back against the least getting to 400 international games for Australia. Always good to chat, Dan. Go well. We'll catch all your great work and code sports and the news court papers. No, Sean, thank you. There he is, Daniel Cherney from Code Sports. 0457 736 736. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, because it was Ponting who said, look beyond, you know, 
the two tests against West Indies and New Zealand beyond that and, and foreign conditions. But you're right, the test cycle, they don't go back to England for 2027. Maybe we're at that kind of tipping point at the moment with regards to Kawaja's age, even Smith's age, to be honest. So, you know, but perhaps we don't look that far down the path. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Willow from Windsor. Hello, Willow. If Cameron Bancroft doesn't get first crack at the opener's job, does the show selectors are turning their nose up at the Sheffield Shield? Yeah, yes and no. I think Willow. You might have heard what we said to Daniel there, but it's sort of there's more to it than just that. Because then others like Green don't get a chance to show their wares at Shield cricket. So it's not always apples and apples in that respect. Good on you, Willow. Always good to get your thoughts. Uh, Ray Bancroft says Mike. An experienced and prolific run scorer. The selectors can keep listening to troglodytes living in the past. The incident was six or seven years ago. Green is good. Never opened the batting, let alone for his country, which Bancroft has. I'll make a New Year's cricket resolution for everyone. Move on. Yeah, I think by and large you've moved on. But we can never fully move on, though, Mike, until we know what happened. Until we know what happened. Is there lingering resentment still between Bancroft and the bowling group? Saying, oh, I must have known, and they... As Daniel said, released that joint statement, which was unusual. They insist everything's hunky-dory. Take them on their word. If they pick Bancroft, I'm okay with that. Good luck to him. Another shot at redemption. And people say he hasn't been picked since. You forget that he was picked for the first two tests in 2019. It probably should have been given a third. And Bangers was picked off the back of his form for Durham, and that was off the advice of Chris Rogers. Who knows a thing or two about betting in those conditions. So he's got game. You know, don't worry about the figures. Test match cricket. He'll be better this time around. Let's not forget Hayden. He reinvented himself basically on that India tour in 98. But he was on the backboard. People thought his test career was over. I remember distinctly an interview with the selector at the time, John Benno, Richie's brother. Long form interview. It might have been on the ABC back in the day. And he said, look, Shield form. You look at the numbers. He says, Slater, Hayden, Elliot, they all look very similar. But he said at test level, obviously Slater succeeded. Elliot's going to be a great test player. Hayden didn't quite make the jump. That was from a national selector. And then what happens? They pick Hayden on that tour, dominates, adds that sweep shot, and becomes one of the most dominant openers in history in that incredible run. So you never say never. So I don't think you can say the cards are marked for Cameron Bancroft. And if you pick him, I hope he does well. When anyone who gets picked for Australia, I back him in. Always back him in. Steve Smith opening as a Band-Aid could have, couldn't have too many good years left in him. Does he? No, probably not. Be not dropping him yet. But anyone you pick at the moment. Let's not forget Kawaja's 37. In my opinion, I'd give Harris another go. He could be the key. We don't know, do we? I think all these guys have got a bit more to offer, even if they flatter to deceive sometimes with the odd 100 here or there. You never know. And Spud, before the break, this isn't bad. Mark will never complain about being given out because Amita could go back to the sheds for a punt. Indeed. Good on you, Spud. Breaking back with more summer mornings.